Welcome to, by way of reminder, week 4, 1 Samuel 12. This week is a bit longer than usual, so grab a cup of tea and enjoy the ride. Though the Bible was not written with our conventional chapter or verse breaks, I really enjoy taking these bite-sized pieces and looking for themes along the way. I've had 1 Samuel 12 in my notes for a while, and decided to share what I consider to be the six primary thoughts within this section. First, a little backstory. The nation of Israel has been pining after a new king for some time. The Lord raised up a prophet, Samuel, whom he eventually called to appoint and institute the first king in Israel. Samuel had been warning the people that God was their king and they did not need another, but the people demanded one, so that they might fit into the cultural patterns of neighboring kingdoms. In chapter 8, we see the elders coming before Samuel and demanding that this prophet of God appoint a king to judge them. My Bible makes this note. In Deuteronomy 17, 14, and 15, there is a prophetic statement that upon entering the land, they would request a king. God implied from the beginning that he would be their king, Exodus 19, 5, and 6, Deuteronomy 4, 39, and 40. They wanted a king like all the other nations, and was a sign of distrust in God. We pick up just after Saul is appointed publicly. The warring Ammonite nation is defeated, and Samuel is talking to the people about what they had forced him to do. God was still in control, let us make no mistake there, but he turned the people over to their own devices to teach them many lessons. Let's take a look and see how the prophet deals with the conflict around him. 1. Presuppositions, verses 1-5 through Samuel begins by asserting that he has done what the people requested, that the king indeed reigns over them, and that he has lived righteously before the people throughout his many years as a prophet. The people agree. Samuel is a solid guy. They have nothing against him in that regard. 2. History Lesson, verses 6-10 through 10. He then recounts the history of the Lord's deliverances of the, to the people, reminding them of his deliverances and mighty leaders that were raised for those tasks. Who rescued them from Egypt? Do they remember the great men God raised for these tasks? Their forefathers had been in oppression, were rescued, then cried out to the Lord for their sins that had led them there. 3. Deliverance and Departure, verses 11-15 through 15. God sent then more deliverers to Israel, including Samuel, for the nations in their path were numerous. The nation had seen great kings reigning over those evil nations and decided that they wanted one of their own. God granted that request, warning them that they were doomed to repeat the failure of their fathers if they do not listen to the voice of the Lord. 4. God's Example, verses 16-18 through As a sign that he is telling the truth, Samuel calls to God, bringing thunder and rain during the season of the wheat harvest. This was not a usual occurrence, as you may guess, because the harvest was the time of year when storms were uncommon. The people greatly feared both the Lord and Samuel after this example. 5. Israel repents. Verse 19. National Israel then repeats a response that covenant Israel will echo for umpteen future generations. They call to God, pleading that he would not destroy them for their sin. They see that asking for a king in this way had been evil in the sight of God, and that they were in need of his mercy once again. 6. Call to Commitment, verses 20-25 through 25. Samuel calls the people back to God, telling them that they have indeed sinned greatly, but that their only response should be to not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all their heart. Verse 20. 
He tells them that they ought not go after the futile things which cannot profit or deliver them, that God will not abandon them, that he will pay, pray for them in spite of their great evil, and that God is still pleased to make them a people for himself. He also warns them that they and their new king will be swept away if they continue in their sin. Phew! All of that from one chapter, and we haven't even gone beyond plain reading of the text. Hang with me, this is where we tie things together. I like to leave you with something practical to consider each week, which I believe we can pull directly from the text before us. In verses 23 through 25, Samuel tells the people three things. First, it would be sin for him not to continue serving them as God intended, verse 23. Second, they ought to fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all their hearts, verse 24. And third, if they still do wickedly before God, the entire nation will fall, verse 25. This is exciting to me, because it teaches us something about the character of God when his people venture away from him. We know that there are token stories in the Bible about wandering away from God, Jonah, the prodigal son, etc., but I, for one, tend to overlook these less popular accounts as further insights along those similar themes. When the people of God drift away from his commands, there will always be consequences for their actions. Since we have these accounts before us, it would be right to consider what we should do if we find ourselves in such a position. God does not change, and I believe our response should not change either. We must not turn aside, verse 21, from him at any cost. Let the nations say what they will, let the people have their kings, idols, or tokens of affection. How do we know which way we should walk? But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 14-17 Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left. Isaiah thirty twenty one. Every word of God proves true. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Finally, the words of Hosea echo in my mind as we ponder what the Lord has to say about whom we look to in our distress. It is your destruction, O Israel, that you are against me, against your help. Where now is your king, that he may save you in all your cities? And your judges, of whom you requested, give me a king and princes. I gave you a king in my anger, and took him away in my wrath. Hosea thirteen nine through 11 Don't delight in what the world considers secure, nor seek the strongholds they rush into. I believe we have a mission to accomplish regarding the dominion of this earthly home. But when the chips are down, let the world go after what it will. We must not turn aside. Do justly, love kindness, walk humbly, and stay tuned.